Letter twenty four of Letters from England, eighteen forty six to eighteen forty nine, by Elizabeth Davis Bancroft. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter to W. D. B. London, November fourth, eighteen forty seven. Dear W. Mr. Bancroft and I dined on Friday, the twenty second, with Mr. and Mrs. Hawes, Under Secretary of State, to meet Mr. Brooke, the Raja of Sarawak, who is a great lion in London just now. He is an English gentleman of large fortune, who has done much to Christianize Borneo, and to open its trade to the English. I sat between him and Mr. Ward, formerly minister to Mexico, before Mr. Pakenham. He wrote a very nice book on Mexico, and is an agreeable and intelligent person. On Wednesday, A. and I went together to the National Gallery, and just as we were setting out, Mr. Butler of New York came in, and I invited him to join us. While we were seated before a charming Claude, who should come in but Mr. R. W. Emerson, and we had quite a joyful greeting. Just then came in Mr. Rogers with two ladies, one on each arm. He renewed his request that I would bring my son to breakfast with him, and appointed Friday morning, and then added, if those gentlemen who are with you are your friends and countrymen, perhaps they will accompany you. They very gladly acceded, and I was thankful Mr. Emerson had chanced to be with me at that moment, as it procured him a high pleasure." Yesterday your father and I dined with Sir George Grey. About four o'clock came on such a fog as I have not seen in London, and the newspapers of this morning speak of it as greater than has been known for many years. Sir George Grey lives in Eaton Place, which is parallel and just behind Eaton Square. In going that little distance, though there is a brilliant gaslight at every door, the coachman was completely bewildered and lost himself entirely. We could only walk the horses, the footman exploring ahead. When the guests by degrees arrived, there was the same rejoicing as if we had met on Mont St. Bernard after a contest with an alpine snowstorm. Lady Grey told me she was dining with the Queen once on one of these tremendous fogs, and that many of the guests did not arrive till dinner was half through, which was horrible at a royal dinner, but the elements care little for royalty. On Saturday we dined at the Duc de Broglie's. He married the daughter of Madame de Stael, but she is not now living. I was very agreeably placed with Mr. Macaulay on one side of me, so that I found it more pleasant than diplomatic dinners, usually. At the English tables we meet people who know each other well, and have a common culture and taste and habits of familiarity, and a fund of pleasant stories, but of course at foreign tables they neither know each other or the English so well as to give the same easy flow to conversation. I am afraid we are the greatest diners out in London, but we are brought into contact a great deal with the literary and parliamentary people which our colleagues know little about, as also with the clergy and the judges. I should not be willing to make it the habit of my life, but it is time not misspent during the years of our abode here. The good old Archbishop of York is dead, and I am glad I paid my visit to him when I did. Mr. Rogers has paid me a long visit to-day, and gave me all the particulars of his death. It was a subject I should not have introduced, for of that knot of intimate friends— Mr. Greenville, the Archbishop, and himself, he is now all that remains. November 28th. On Monday evening I went without Mr. Bancroft to a little party at Mrs. Lyell's, where I was introduced to Mrs. Somerville. She has resided for the last nine years abroad, chiefly at Venice, but has now come to London and taken a house very near us. Her daughter told me that nothing could exceed the ease and simplicity with which her literary occupations were carried on. She is just publishing a book upon natural geography without regard to political boundaries. 
She writes principally before she rises in the morning on a little piece of board, with her inkstand on a table by her side. After she leaves her room she is as much at leisure as other people, but if an idea strikes her she takes her little board into a corner or window, and writes quietly for a short time, and returns to join the circle. Dr. Somerville told me that his wife did not discover her genius for mathematics till she was about sixteen. Her brother, who has no talent for it, was receiving a mathematical lesson from a master while she was hemming and stitching in the room. In this way she first heard the problems of Euclid stated and was ravished. When the lesson was over, she carried off the book to her room and devoured it. For a long time she pursued her studies secretly, as she had scaled heights of science which were not considered feminine by those about her. December 2nd. I put down my pen yesterday when the carriage came to the door for my drive. It was a day bright, beaming, and exhilarating as one of our own winter days. I was so busy enjoying the unusual beams of the unclouded sun that I did not perceive for some time that I had left my muff, and was obliged to drive home again to get it. While I was waiting in the carriage for the footman to get it, two of the most agreeable old lady faces in the world presented themselves at the window. They were the Miss Berries. They had driven up behind me and got out to have a little talk on the sidewalk. I took them into Mr. Bancroft's room and was thankful that my muff had sent me back to receive a visit which, at their age, is rarely paid. I found them full of delight at Mr. Brooke, the Raja of Sarawak, with whose nobleness of soul they would have great sympathy. He is just now the Lion of London, and like all other lions is run after by most people because he is one, and by the few because he deserves to be one. Now, lest you should know nothing about him, let me tell you that at his own expense he fitted out a vessel, and established himself at Borneo, where he soon acquired so great an ascendancy over the native Raja, that he insisted on resigning to him the government of his province of Sarawak. Here, with only three European companions, by moral and intellectual force alone, he succeeded in suppressing piracy and civil war among the natives, and opened a trade with the interior of Borneo which promises great advantages to England. Everybody here has the influenza, a right-down influenza, that sends people to their beds. Those who have triumphed at their exemption in the evening wake up perhaps in the morning full of aches in every limb, and scoff no longer. Dinner parties are sometimes quite broken up by the excuses that come pouring in at the last moment. Lady John Russell had seven last week at a small dinner of twelve. Twelve hundred policemen at one time were taken off duty, so that the thieves might have had their own way, but they were probably as badly off themselves. End of letter 24. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.